Welcome back to the Texan Abroad. Nice to be back again so quickly, and uh, I'll try and be a little bit shorter than I was last time. After that long pod the other day, we'll keep this one a little short and sweet. We will be addressing a topic that's near and dear to my heart, which I'll get to momentarily. Just a quick reminder to rate, review, subscribe. Uh, all of that helps me and inspires me to keep going, as I always say. So today's topic is one related to sports, and I haven't talked about sports on this podcast before. Not sure why, um, but it is something that's near and dear to my heart. I've been a lifelong sports fan, root for mostly Houston teams, and in the U.S., collegiate sports is a big thing. I've got a tattoo for the University of Texas Longhorns on my arm. Um, I follow sports even since I've been abroad, get up early, watch baseball and football and everything else. Uh, I've even adopted a few other teams along the way. Um, I try to be the kind of fan that appreciates his team, appreciates the competition, the things that they can do on the field or on the pitch, the amazing feats of athleticism, the amount of time and energy that those men and women put into honing their craft, um, but not live and die with it. And sometimes that's a little bit easier said than done. But there's a lot of negative aspects to being a sports fan or being involved in sports that I think uh, we've taken a little bit too far, which I'll kind of get to here in a little while. But it's hard not to, to experience the heartache or even the anger or the shock or whatever it might be when you've been following a team or been following something for so long. But I think it's important that you try. Um, and that's kind of how I'm going to tackle this topic. So what is the topic exactly? Let's get to it. What happened? Um, it's involving baseball, which I think a lot of people who are listening to this will understand, but some may not. Uh, essentially, baseball, I often, when I describe it to my students, talk about it between the as the struggle between a pitcher and a hitter, a guy throwing a ball and a guy trying to hit a ball. And the guy throwing the ball has a distinct advantage in that he knows how fast he's going to throw it and where he's going to throw it. And the hitter has a distinct disadvantage because he doesn't know how fast it's coming, when it's coming, or where it's going to go. Um, the Astros uh, are accused and have been found to have stolen signs that indicate where the thrower, where the pitcher, uh, is going to be throwing and what he's going to be throwing. The speed, as far as I'm concerned, is the main thing. If you are going to throw a, a slower pitch, then the batter needs to start his swing a little bit later. If it's a faster pitch, he needs to start it a little bit earlier. So that little bit of information can be incredibly useful uh, when a batter is facing a pitcher. And it seems that the Astros were using phones uh, or other pieces of technology to understand what the signs a pitcher and a catcher were giving each other. So whether or not an off-speed or a fastball uh, was coming to the batter. They then used, <laughs> this is a little bit funny, garbage cans to banging on garbage cans to signal to the batter whether or not it was an off-speed pitch or a fast pitch. That then gave the batter the advantage, um, unbeknownst to the pitcher. And that season that they were accused of doing this, they actually ended up winning the title, what they call the World Series. Um, and so, obviously, there is a huge scandal about whether or not 
or how much cheating happened, how much affected the game and everything else. So the second question is when did people find out? Um, it's also an interesting story because there was a lot of people who heard rumors um, about the Astros stealing signs in some way. Um, but it didn't fully come out until one of the guys who was on the team uh, left the team and signed with a, a different one. And while he was on the other team, he came out and said specifically what the Astros were doing, how they were stealing pitches, and how they were relaying it to batters um, and the batter's box. Um, so that is the way that this whole scandal started. Now, I heard an interesting interview the other day that uh, a former baseball manager said that when you're in the dugout, you can hear incredibly well what's going on in the other dugout. I don't know if I believe that because I've been to a lot of baseball games and uh, it can get pretty loud and noisy, especially if the home team is doing well. Um, but nonetheless, he made the comment that if there was a banging on a trash can, that other players, other managers would have heard it uh, or should have heard it. I don't know if that's true. I haven't actually watched a lot of the videos that they've posted on YouTube uh, claiming where you can hear the trash can or not. Um, perhaps I should, but I'll be honest with you. I, I'm not so heavily invested that I'm going to watch it. Um, but uh, I do think it's an interesting idea that if, you, if other batters uh, or other players on the opposing team could have heard it, what did they think was going on? I, it's an interesting point. It doesn't uh, do anything to the argument that the Astros did, in fact, cheat. Um, but it's just an interesting side note, in my opinion. So who was punished and how? Actually, the, the coach and the manager, uh, or the coach slash manager, was suspended for a year, and the Astros subsequently fired him. The same thing happened to the general manager, the vice president of baseball operations. He was suspended for a year by baseball and then also fired by the Astros. Uh, there were two other coaches, um, one who was a player and one who was also a coach uh, on the Astros at the time, who were then uh, fired subsequently from their jobs. So all in all, you had four people who actually lost their, lost their jobs and reputations to a great degree. And a lot of the players now that are currently on the Astros have really suffered a lot of reputational harm. Uh, there's a lot of talk going on by other players about how these guys are disgraceful um, and bad examples of, of baseball players, etc. Um, but the players themselves were not punished. I think it's an interesting question because baseball has, uh, as most professional sports, a players' union. Um, and there are specific things that players can be and can't be punished for. They are collectively bargained um, between the players and the owners. Um, and this doesn't really fall within any of those. So had the commissioner of baseball actually suspended any of the players, which also would have been difficult because it's almost impossible, uh, or maybe not, and it's a question I'll get to, to figure out exactly who used what and when and how much. So it would have been incredibly complicated, in my opinion, to actually sp suspend some of the players. Um, not to mention the fact that this was two years ago, and since then these players have gone on to play in different clubs. 
Um, so do you suspend players, all the players, the same amount of time? How does exactly does that work? Another punishment that has been floated around is taking back the title um, or the World Series trophy, as they call it. And that's an interesting one. I think you can debate whether or not that's a good idea. The truth is that uh, I remember waking up very early in Moscow and actually walking the streets of Old Arbat, listening to the uh, to the games during that World Series. And you can take back the title, but you're never going to take back those memories. You can say that they're tainted. But to me, regardless of who knew what when, uh, those were amazing baseball games and an experience, even though I wasn't there, that uh, I will never forget. And I'll cherish them always, regardless of how tainted some other people may say they are now. So why does it matter, um, actually? Uh, if they've handed down punishment, they've uh, done all that they can do, it's still a big media uh, blitz of uh, bad publicity and people complaining and yelling and screaming, everyone from fans to sports pundits to even other players. To be fair, uh, I don't think it matters that much. Um, But baseball fans and actually sports fans in general, they believe in the sanctity of competition. And I understand that. That's, that's uh, That's a pretty understandable position. It's not okay to cheat, not in life, uh, not in athletics. These athletes should be or are considered role models. They should act that way. Um, they oftentimes don't, and that's a story for another podcast. Um, but cheating shouldn't be you know, um, accepted, allowed, or glorified in any way. But that brings me to an interesting question, and that is that actually cheating is kind of allowed in baseball. That is, you are allowed to try and figure out what the other team's signs are and relay them to the batter. The problem here is that they use technology. Specifically, they used a phone to look at the pitcher and the catcher to try to distinguish what the signs were. Um, So it's not the actual cheating that all of these people who are in an uproar are really complaining about. It's merely the kind of cheating that went on. So it's kind of like a teacher looking the other way for a crib sheet, but saying you can't use a smartphone. Right. If you use technology, that's not the right kind of cheating. Uh, if you don't use technology, that's okay. That's just built into the brand and the culture of baseball. To me, that's a little bit hypocritical. Um, if you want to say that cheating is wrong, then by golly, say it's wrong. Um, but we've got this ancient, archaic system built into the sport of baseball. And because it's been going on for 30, 50, 60 years, it's okay. Um, it brings me actually even to another point. Why are pitchers and catchers still using hand signals uh, when there's got to be a better way? And it kind of brings, I think, a big problem of baseball in general to light, which is the average fan is incredibly old. If not actually old, they're old at heart. And that's not a bad thing, but it's, it's an old, antiquated game. And part of that is the beauty But part of that is also the problem and why baseball is now the third most popular sport in America and probably falling, I would say. Um, This scandal has kind of brought it back to the forefront to a degree. There's a lot of energy brought back to the life of the sport, which actually I kind of enjoy. Um, But before this, actually, it was a distant third behind professional football and basketball. 
Um, and it's because they're stuck in the past, right? Uh, it's okay if you cheat the way that people did 50 years ago, but don't cheat using modern conventions, which it's kind of odd to me that you would take the most highly competitive people in the world, tell them it's okay to cheat this way, and then draw this kind of arbitrary line with what kind of cheating you allow. Uh, either allow it or don't. Um, put it in the rules or take it out. I'm not sure. Uh, that leads to the next question about this particular cheating, which is, did they affect the outcome? I think one of the reasons that uh, it's still the scandal is escalating and growing is because both the players and the owner of the Astros didn't do themselves any favors by actually speaking about it. Um, in fact, they dug themselves a little bit deeper hole, and particularly the owner said that it did not affect the outcome, then asked literally 90 seconds later, he said, I did not say that, when he actually obviously did say that. Um, the answer, I would say, is almost certainly it affected outcome of certain games. Uh, how many games, how many pitches, how many runs, I don't know. Um, I think it actually would be an interesting uh, question and data experiment. And actually, I'm surprised that Major League Baseball didn't try and do this, but try to actually evaluate uh, going through game by game for that entire season, and especially the postseason in the tournament, um, to see if you can pick up the trash can noise in the background, um, have some tech people, some audio people analyze it, find out exactly how many times a trash can was banged, uh, what the result of that at bat was, um, whether or not it drove in a run, it created a man on base, whether they got out, what was exactly the advantage that was given. Um, of course, that's a lot of work, and uh, the people who at, at baseball most likely didn't want to do all of that and try and you know, find all of the incredible details when they knew they weren't going to be able to punish much, much more than what they did. Uh, I suspect the other people um, who are still screaming about the Astros wouldn't be interested in such data because that data may not go in their favor. And for them, it's just a question of the fact that they cheated. Uh, and that's okay. That's, you know, your right to take whatever kind of perspective you want. But I think that information would be highly useful when trying to judge um, whether or not it affected the outcome. But I think it's a given that it did uh, in some way. To what degree, I'm not sure. Which leads us to the question, did they cross the line? In my opinion, they did. Um, not necessarily um, because I think what they did was incredibly wrong. Um, because I'll answer question seven in just a minute. But I think they know the game of baseball. Uh, most of those guys grew up playing it. They were, they've been around it for, for decades. Um, and they understand the written and unwritten rules, as imperfect as they may be. And I think they knew that they crossed a line. Um, and they're upset that they got caught, and that's understandable. Um, but that leads me to question seven. Am I surprised at what they did? And absolutely not. These are highly competitive individuals. Um, baseball players had a huge, you know, basically decade-long period where a lot of them were taking steroids and abusing drugs in order to get a leg up on the competition. That shouldn't surprise anyone either. And for the most part, it didn't. When you look back at the size of the guys and how many home runs they were hitting, nothing about that was a surprise. Um, 
anytime you're going to tie distinct advantages to someone's salary, um, you're going to have to watch out for people abusing or you misusing a system. And if we think we, as an average person, if you think you know someone who's highly competitive, imagine what it takes to be the top 1% of the top 1% of the top 1% of any particular field and to spend almost all of your life in that field, right? Trying to be the best. Now, on top of that, every year that you perform well, you're going to get millions and millions of dollars, right? Most people in an average job, whether it's as a lawyer, as a teacher, or anything else, we do the best we can, probably because we like our jobs or we want to do well, but in part also because of the financial or professional success that we can achieve by being good at it. So if you're willing to cut corners, to do things a little bit um, unethically, not you per se, but people, uh, for a couple of thousand dollars. Imagine what a highly competitive person, ultra competitive, would do for millions of dollars, right? And they they know that, and we know that as sports fans. Um, I just, I cannot be surprised when an athlete tries to do something that is slightly outside the lines of where their sport is, yeah? Um, that's not to say I condone it in any way. In fact, it's the next question that makes me feel that way, and that's, aren't sports just a form of entertainment? Um, I think this is a huge point for me. I've always loved sports. I told you that at the beginning of this episode. Um, I love them as much, if not more, than most people that I know. But I also understand, and I've come to understand it a lot more in my time, kind of away from the sports teams that I root for, that it is a TV show. It's a form of entertainment, something we can get lost in. It's also beautiful. It can give us something to aspire to. There are amazing stories. There are amazing people and characters. But just like a movie, um, it's that. It's, it's a story. It's entertainment. If there was no TV, if there was no internet, if there was no electricity, right? Um, most people wouldn't know about any of these people. Um, that's not to say that what they do isn't incredible. It is, and it's remarkable. And so many of these men and women use their athletic prowess, use the, uh, the countless hours that they spend honing their craft um, in a way to bring happiness and joy and sometimes pain to a lot of people across the world. And they inspire us with, the, with what they can do. Um, I don't have a problem with people who view their work as a craft, as more than a job. I do that, and I encourage it. Um, I also don't have a pe- problem with people who view their work as a career and try to get the most money they can from it. That's also okay. It's a means to an end. What I do have a problem with, a slight problem, is when you try and do both. Right? If you love something, yes, you do it for semi-financial success, of course, but you sacrifice a little bit of the money or a little bit of the financial because you derive such pleasure from it. How do I know? Because I do that on a daily basis. Um, The rates that I charge for teaching individuals, children, adults, groups, they're much lower than I could charge. Now, some of you may say that makes me a bad capitalist. I say it makes me a good person. 
because the reason that I charge what I do, the reason that I, I keep my rates the way that I do and I have for years is because I know what the average person here can afford. And I don't think that I should price out my services just so I can increase the amount of money that I make um, when I know that I would rather help as many people as I possibly can. So I know what it means to sacrifice a little bit of your financial success because what you do means so much for you, much to you. That's what I do on a daily basis. Um, now, in my view, most athletes, they do have a part of them that cares about the sanctity of the sport, the competition. But at its core, to them, it's a business. Yeah, it's their way of making money, of having a career. I think that's fine. But do not get all high and mighty, yes, when you think of it as a business. Um, because if it's a business, and that's the way you treat it, because you're trying to maximize your dollars, which is a good thing, and not something that I would uh, ever tell anyone not to do. But you can't have the hypocrisy of both sides, in my opinion. Yeah. So that leads us to question number nine. Why is everyone so upset? Well, that's the culture. It's these days, um, I was just reading an article about politics, perhaps that I'll share with the pod a little bit later uh, this week or next. But it was essentially that outrage culture is hurting politicians' ability to do their job. Because what used to go on behind closed doors, now it's a tweet, it's a, it's a video clip, it's a Facebook post, it's an Instagram post, it's whatever. Um, and that makes it more difficult uh, for people to actually go about the work of trying to govern in an effective way. Um, a lot of sports figures, a lot of not just baseball players, LeBron James came out and said that he's really angry about it. They say they want blood. They say that these guys deserve to be beat up. They deserve to be hit. Uh, they need to take back that trophy, yada, yada, yada. There's even one guy who's suing the Astros, claiming it was their fault that he is no longer in baseball, despite the fact that he had an ERA, an earned run average, of over five before he faced the Astros. Um, it's a lot of fake outrage. right? They don't actually believe it. It's branding. Um, it's art. It's entertainment, as I said. It's good for their brand, and so that's why they're saying it. Um, why do I believe that? Quite simply because every single athlete who has said exactly what they're saying also turns to the ex-Astro who's on their team and says, I forgive that guy because that guy seems remorseful. Except he's on your team. And again, that's a bit of hot hypocrisy in my opinion. You're willing to forgive the guy who can help you win the next trophy or the next game. But you're not willing to forgive and let go the guys who are still your competitors. That to me speaks of blatant hypocrisy. Or you're just doing it for effect. And that's what I actually think. I think that they're doing it for effect. Um, as for fans, look, the... The full word for fan is fanatic. And so I understand that fans are going to take this personally. Uh, Dodgers fans or Yankees fans or whoever are going to say that we were robbed of a title. Uh, and that's, 
that's acceptable. You can get outraged, you can get angry. Um, but again, I think it's more you're trying to find something to be angry at. Because every team, in almost every sport, is trying to find an edge. As I said, I do think the Astros crossed a line. But it's sports, it's entertainment, it's competition. Yeah. And I think most people out there, if they looked at themselves honestly, could relate to a time where they perhaps crossed a line because they took a little bit easier road than they were supposed to. So don't make it out to be like the end of the world. Um, I had a good friend who's a Yankees fan, and perhaps he's a much more passionate sports fan than me. Actually, there's no perhaps about it. He is the craft father of Moscow. Um, and he sent me a message and, uh, it was about two or three sentences about how he dislikes some of the players on the Astros. And I said, that's fair. Understood. He said, I've said my piece. That's enough. And without me saying a single word about 30 seconds later, I got destroyed with another 15 different messages. He was clearly not finished. His outrage was just beginning. Now he's a Yankees fan and the Astros beat the Yankees on the way to the title. So I understand his outrage, um, but I do think it's misplaced in that there's a, enough things in the world to get angry about. Um, we don't have to bring sports into that loop. And that's where I'll wrap up with just a few final thoughts. You can take the title away. Um, you can think that these particular athletes are, are bad or evil or anything else. That's as a sports fan or as an athlete or as a sports pundit, you're allowed to do all of those things. Um, I would just reiterate the phrase, look in the mirror uh, and think about the things that you've done in your life. And have you ever done something uh, maybe that you weren't proud of or that crossed the line just a little bit? Throwing a baseball at someone is juvenile and absurd. And it's one of the things that I hate about baseball. You want justice, so you're going to hit someone with a 90-mile-per-hour ball that is really hard. That's the act of a child. And actually, that's the act of a child who hasn't been raised right by his parents. And yet, that's what some of these athletes and fans are calling for. Physical violence against someone who was just too hyper-competitive. Again, outrage that's uncalled for. Yeah. There's plenty of things in the world to be upset about. Lots of them. Yeah. As I said on my last podcast, I don't think you should. I think you need to experience and enjoy every moment that you have on this planet, including the beauty of sports. So why on earth are you letting something so trivial and minute as this get your blood to a boil? Just ask yourself. That's all. That's it for now. Uh, glad I got back on here a little bit today. Hope to see you guys later this week. Don't forget, subscribe, subscribe, rate, and review. More feedback, the better. And until next time, this is The Texan Abroad.